This podcast is brought to you by BMJ Best Practice. BMJ Best Practice offers evidence-based, continually updated and practical knowledge that will help you make better clinical decisions. Hello and welcome to this BMJ Best Practice podcast on Lyme disease. Kieran Walsh is my name. I'm clinical director at BMJ. Lyme disease is the most common vector-borne infection and one of the most common notifiable diseases in the USA. It can cause a range of problems from erythema migrans to arthralgia to neurological symptoms. To give us more details about this disease and what we can do about it, we have on the line Professor Janak Koirala, who is Professor of Medicine and Infectious Diseases at Southern Illinois University School of Medicine. And importantly, Janak is author of our BMJ Best Practice topic on this condition. So Janik, you're welcome. Let's start off by asking, what exactly is Lyme disease? Thank you, Kieran. Lyme disease is a zoonotic infection caused by a Borrelia, a type of bacteria called Borrelia burgdorferi in the United States and other types of species of Borrelia in other parts of the world. For example, in Europe, Lyme disease is caused by a different type of Borrelia called Afzeli, Gerenai, or Bergdorferi sensus stricto. In Asia, the species are different. Again, uh, Gerenai and Afzeli can cause Lyme disease in Asia. And uh, there's a new variety of Borrelia that has been found in the United States more recently called Borrelia meonii in the upper Midwestern United States. It's generally transmitted to the humans through bite of infected ticks called exodus ticks. Different, again, different varieties of exodus occur in different parts of the world. And the natural reservoir of Borrelia are mice, voils, squirrels, birds, and other small animals. And that's where the exodus acquiesced and passes to the deer and ultimately to humans. Okay, thank you. How do you make the diagnosis? So it depends on the epidemiology and stage of infection. In an area where Lyme disease is known to be prevalent, in those cases, if somebody presents with a typical erythema migraines, which is uh, an erythematous lesion with central clearing, there's no need for further diagnostic tests. In those cases, we treat them with the clinical presentation. Whereas if somebody does not have typical rash, or they present in the later stage, then there are different uh, ways of making diagnosis. The standard way of making diagnosis through the serological testing, and that can be done with ELISA or immunofluorescence assay, in short, IFA, as the first stage. And then as a confirmatory test, we do Western blot assay. Thank you. And I wonder, have there been any recent advances in the diagnosis of this condition? So as in other types of infectious diseases, uh, the molecular technology have been used for Lyme disease as well. Uh, The most recently, we've been using PCR tests. It's not available everywhere, so we cannot always get PCR tests done uh, in uh, different parts of the world. But where it's available, It can be done for joint fluids, skin biopsy, and other solid tissue specimens. There is also culture methods available, but again, culture methods are also available only in specialized labs. So most of the time, the diagnosis still 
dependent on the serological test. Okay. And do the results on the serological test depend on the stage of infection and the duration of infection, I wonder? Absolutely. Yes. In the initial stage, uh, for example, if somebody gets bitten, they can develop rash. And if they present in a weak time, the serological test might be still negative. So in those cases, if the diagnostic ca- diagnosis cannot be ascertained just with the clinical presentation, uh, the serology can be taken as an acute phase serology. And we recommend to check again a second set of uh, serum two to three weeks later. So, and then we compare between acute phase serology and then uh, convalescent fetal serology, which is basically IgG, IgM, and compare the two. If there is fourfold or higher difference between the two tests, then we confirm it as positive Lyme disease. But in the later phase, after a month, uh, we generally don't recommend IgM because IgM can be false positive or it can stay positive for long duration. So after four weeks of infection, we recommend only to check IgG test followed by confirmation with Western blood test. And I guess other than those potential pitfalls in serological test interpretation, what are the other common pitfalls in diagnosis? So similar to any other serological test, because we're testing for antibodies, those antibodies can react with other types of antigens. For example, sometimes the test can be false positive if somebody has infectious mononucleosis or syphilis. Similarly, people who have autoimmune disorders, they can also have false positive serological tests for Lyme disease. So we have to be careful when we're interpreting those tests. So we have to look at the context, clinical context and epidemiological context to make sure that we are not interpreting false positive as true positive. Okay, let's move on to management. What's the mainstay of management of Lyme disease? So for those cases who are confirmed with Lyme disease, either clinically or by laboratory tests, the mainstay of treatment is antibiotic therapy. Uh, But the choice of antibiotic depends on the clinical diagnosis. So someone who has erythema migrans in the initial stage, the recommended treatment is doxycycline for 10 days. Or alternatively, if somebody cannot take doxycycline, for example, it's a child, pregnancy, or somebody who has contraindication because of allergic reaction or other reason, in those cases, Beta-lactams can be used. Beta-lactams such as amoxicillin, cefiroxim are used commonly because there is clinical data to support their use. But uh, the beta-lactams need to be treated or used for longer duration for 14 days. Uh, Similarly, if it's later stage, for example, somebody has Lyme arthritis or somebody has carditis, in those cases, depending on Uh, the duration and uh, the type of uh, infection you may have you can treat with either oral antibiotics or go with the intravenous antibiotics such as ceftriaxone for example in case of Lyme carditis four weeks of uh, ceftriaxone has been recommended similarly somebody who has established Lyme arthritis and if they have failed initial course of oral antibiotics in those cases you go with longer duration of intravenous septraxone, which means two to four weeks. Uh, 
there's no uh, evidence to support use of antibodies for longer than four weeks in those cases. Okay, thank you. And can you tell us about any recent advances in management? Have there been any recent advances in management? There have been some recent advances in management of uh, Lyme disease, mainly the duration of therapy for different types of infections. Uh, for example, in the past, there have been practices of over-treating Lyme disease with intravenous antibiotic for longer duration. So more recently, they have more data to support uh, shorter duration, meaning two to four weeks of course of antibiotics are adequate for most of the infection, most types of the infection. Similarly, one of the new thing is the treatment of certain types of neuroborreliosis or the infection of CNS with Lyme disease with shorter duration of oral antibiotic therapy rather than intravenous antibiotics. Uh, but otherwise, uh, there's not much in terms of advancement in terms of newer antibiotics. Uh, and that's because most of the time, so far, the old, good old antibiotics such as doxycycline and the betalaxams have been very successful in treatment of Lyme disease. Okay. And what about pitfalls in management? What are the common pitfalls in management? So uh, one of the main thing we see with patients with Lyme disease is that since they have to take, even if it's oral antibiotic, they have to take it for two to four weeks. Even that is uh, a long time for many patients uh, who are busy with their life or busy with their work. So one of the major problem is non-adherence. Uh, and then uh, they tend to have, uh, you know, they have to go back and start treatment again. Uh, many times uh, it's the other way around. Some of the patients are so concerned that they want IV antibiotics and they go from doctor to doctor trying to convince that they have Lyme disease, although you explain them uh, that you don't have Lyme disease. Uh, and it's most of the time because of the false positive tests, uh, they think that they have Lyme disease. The other issue is the side effect management, because if they have been on antibiotic for prolonged duration, they can have side effects such as the doxycycline or uh, amoxicillin or cefiroxime or ceftriaxone related uh, GI upset or secondary C. difficile and things like that. So that's the other thing we see uh, quite frequently as one of the problem with the long duration of antibiotic treatment for Lyme disease. Okay, thank you. Last question is a question about questions, really. What other common questions do you get asked about this illness? What, what have we missed? So one of the major problem with Lyme disease is dealing with the over-exaggerated uh, manifestation of Lyme disease called chronic Lyme disease. Time and again, it has been shown with studies that the chronic Lyme disease actually does not exist. After you treat somebody for Lyme disease, they get better, but they might have long-term effect in terms of joint problem or malaise and things like that. And then many times, even the Initial disease, the original diagnosis is not wrong. It's just based on the false positive test. So many times patients think that, 
oh, I'm having these joint pains because of Lyme disease, because I was bitten by a tick. Uh, so it's very important as physicians that we need to know that it has been shown with studies, multiple studies, that there's nothing like chronic Lyme disease and there's no benefit of keeping patients on long-term intravenous therapy. Uh, I'm saying this because I have seen many patients who come to me on IV antibiotics for three months or longer, or, or they are on oral antibiotics, or they think that they have recurrent Lyme disease. So it's very important to convince those patients that it's not Lyme disease, probably arthritis or fatigue or something else from other illnesses rather than Lyme disease. So that's something I try to communicate to all physicians that uh, it's our duty to tell patients that there's nothing uh, like that after you are treated appropriately with the first course of antibiotics. Okay. Thank you very much, Janik. And thanks to you all for listening. We hope that this has been helpful and we hope you'll be able to put what you've learned into action to better diagnose and manage affected patients. If you want to find out more, click the link in the podcast to sign into BMJ Best Practice. Have a look at the content on this and other relevant diseases. Thank you once again.